premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible, as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey there, folks. This is Joe Rusiello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. And you know, folks, as always, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform it is you find yourself listening to us on, it's always my prayer that you also find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We are broadcasting to you live from the Asylum Studios here in the bowels of the very, very, very hot southwest Texas city of Eagle Pass. We have uh, been enjoying uh, temperatures that are pretty much just a few degrees cooler than hell. So uh, it's been hot, hot, hot. But praise the Lord, we're here. We're meeting again tonight to open up the Word of God and to study from this fabulous book the things that the Lord has for us. Now, for the last 19 weeks, we have been digging into the book of Revelation, and we've been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, line upon line, precept upon precept, and it certainly has been a challenging study, to say the least. Now, last week, we talked about some of the events that were taking place at the tail end of the tribulation period. Uh, we were talking about the opening of the seven vials, the, or the seven vile judgments. And uh, we were talking about these events could possibly be taking place probably just months uh, or weeks before the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ and that last great battle, the Battle of Armageddon. Now, on tonight's Thursday night Bible study, we're going to be getting into Revelation chapter 17. Now, in Revelation 17, we're going to be talking about Mystery Babylon the Great, the great whore, as the Bible calls it. And God uses two chapters, chapter 17 and chapter 18, to tell us all about her. And uh, what's kind of fascinating about it is, uh, you know, at first glance, people would kind of say something like, well, you know, that's Babylon. That's, that's an, it's a kingdom of antiquity. It doesn't have any relevance to what's going on today. Oh, my friends, it certainly does. It certainly does. And what we're going to discover is that Babylon, ancient Babylon, has been around in a latent, subtle, underground form for a very long time. She never really went away. And before we finish tonight, we're going to identify who Mystery Babylon is today. And unfortunately, you know, it might upset some of you when we discover who this great whore really is. I pray it doesn't. I pray that you receive what we're going to talk about tonight with an open heart, a prayerful heart, 
an open mind, and you would consider the things that the Word of God has for us. Now, before we get into our study tonight, I'm going to ask you to do just two things for you. First of all, would you please visit our website, com, and when you get there, head over to the contact section, and when you get there, open up that little web form, and why don't you send us over a message? Let us know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, concerns, anything that might be on your heart or mind, just send that over to us. And if you have any prayer requests, I would suggest you send them on over. Uh, I really do look forward to getting your prayer requests. I do. And I do take the time to pray over them with you and for you. And, uh, of course, we bring it before the Sword of the Spirit podcast family, and uh, we pray for it together corporately. So uh, send them on over. Now, if you don't like to use the web form, totally understandable. I'm not too crazy about them myself. Uh, you could always email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Now, while you're on the website as well, would you please look for that Support This Podcast button? And when you find it, would you consider supporting us with a small monthly contribution? You can set that up for $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. And uh, I, I know the economy's hard. It's, things are really expensive out there. It might be difficult for someone to uh, commit to a monthly recurring contribution. But if you can't do that, you know, maybe you can do a one-time contribution. And if you find yourself able to do that, you can do so by clicking on the Waygiver button or by scanning the Cash App QR code, which is also on our homepage. So why don't you pray about it? And uh, if these podcasts have been a blessing to you, uh, if the live broadcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, and if you'd like to become an active part of this ministry, your contribution will go a very long way, and I would be extremely, extremely thankful for it. Now, of course, first and foremost, before we do anything else, I always want to take a moment here to give thanks, and I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, for, uh, for saving me. Uh, 23 years ago, or it'll be 23 years ago next month, the Lord Jesus Christ... Oh, forgot to turn the ringer off the phone. Sorry, folks. Uh, so... 23 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, saved me from an eternity in an, in an everlasting, burning place called hell. And uh, my friends, you could avoid going to hell. He did it for me by putting the right people in front of me as I was searching for him. He put people in front of me that were pointing me to Scripture. He put people in front of me that... Uh, pointed me to a particular radio station on, uh, on an AM station in New York City where I heard uh, some great, great Bible teaching from men like J. Vernon McGee and others and really excellent, excellent material that was out there. And uh, the more I listened, the more I wanted to listen, the more I craved it, the more I searched for it, the more I looked for it, until one night on a Sunday evening while I was driving into work an overnight shift, uh, instead of listening to the typical New York City traffic reports, I put on that Christian radio station, and I heard a message being preached by a, by a gospel preacher, a Baptist preacher. Uh, the message was on hell and who's going there. Uh, and when I tell you that it literally scared the hell out of me, uh, it's an understatement. Uh, it just seemed like to me that the Lord was saying to me at the end of every sentence, did you get that, Joe? Joe, I'm talking to you. 
And, uh, you know, he motivated and moved me to, uh, to write down the phone number for that preacher and to call him. And uh, after a lengthy conversation on the phone, uh, we met and he opened up the Bible and he led me to the Lord Jesus Christ right out of that King James Bible. And uh, that was 23 years ago. And it's been a tremendous, tremendous experience. I have experienced things in my Christian walk that without the Lord Jesus Christ, I never would have made it through or I never would have experienced. And even though there are days where I let him down, even though there are days where I fail, uh, even though there are days where I totally mess up, I mean, because folks, after all, I am a sinner just like everyone else. The difference is, is that I'm a saved sinner. My sins are forgiven by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're covered and paid for, and yours can be too. You don't have to go to hell. Going to hell is your choice. God doesn't send you to hell, folks. You send yourself. And you do that by rejecting the gospel message, by not giving your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, by not asking him to save you, by not letting him take control over the destiny of your soul. And all you have to do, folks, is put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because there is nothing else that can save you. No church can save you, whether it's a Baptist church. And look, I'm a Baptist. Denominationally, I'm a Baptist. I'm a blood-bought, born-again, Bible-believing Baptist. And I will tell you that uh, the Baptist church will not save you. There will be plenty of Baptists waking up in hell. The Presbyterian Church, the Episcopal Church, the Methodist Church, uh, uh, the Catholic Church, none of those churches can save you. The only way you get saved is putting your full faith, trust, and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. All you need to do is just tell him. Tell him that you trust him. Tell him that you believe him and ask him to save you. Or you can just say something very simple like this. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner on my way to hell. I know that there's nothing I can do to save myself. I ask you tonight, Lord Jesus, if you would wash me clean with your shed blood, your perfect sinless blood, and save me tonight. And my friends, if you truly pray that prayer with a sincere heart or something similar to that, with that sincere heart putting all your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll save you. And then you do not have to worry another minute about what's going to happen to you the moment you close your eyes here on this earth. Because the moment you close your eyes here with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You will find yourself in glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, when you close your eyes here, you will open your eyes in hell, the worst place imaginable. So, folks, the decision is yours. You can get saved today and find yourself in heaven, or you'll find yourself in hell. It's totally up to you. So, of course, again, I want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ for revealing truth to me through his written word and for reaching his nail-scarred hand down from the banister of glory and pulling me out of hell. I also want to say thank you, of course, to the Lord Jesus Christ for allowing me to have this ministry, this incredible blessing of a ministry that I have. 
And I thank him also for all of you each and every day for uh, for listening in and for uh, and for following the show. And you are such a tremendous blessing to me. And I and I thank the Lord Jesus for you every single day. I also want to say thank you to all of you who pray for us on a on a regular basis, who support us with your prayer. Thank you so much for all of your prayers. God bless you for them. Please continue to pray for this ministry. Please continue to pray for my family. Please continue to pray for me as we continue to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I also want to say thank you to all of you who already support us financially. Thank you so much, and God bless you for your support. I also want to say thank you to all of our listeners, every single one of you who listen faithfully to everything that we put out. God bless you for that. It's because of you that we are currently the number one podcast on uh, the Good Pod platform in five separate categories. And it's, it's really just a blessing to be able to say that and to do that because of your support and uh, for all the plays and downloads that you've blessed me with. And, you know, because of the position that we're in, you know, more people are apt to find us, folks that are looking for a good Bible study uh, uh, podcast like ours, one that stands on the inspired, preserved Word of God, that King James Bible. We don't change it. We don't try to explain it away. We don't try to do anything with it. We just preach the Bible as it is. And God bless you for, for tuning in and for listening to, to all the stuff that we've been putting out there. Now, folks, wherever you're listening to the show, please, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way, you're helping us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now, with that said, how about we get to some announcements? All right, folks. Uh, well, one announcement is uh, is that I'm going to ask you to forgive me because I have a, a bit of a sore throat coming on here. So uh, I might be taking a few minutes to, uh, you know, drink a little bit more here or there uh, to keep the old pipes wet. So uh, so please pray for me as we're going through this tonight. All right. And let's see. So our first announcement for the evening, of course, is to welcome everybody and to say thank you for joining us for our Thursday night Bible study and to remind you that every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm sorry, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, we open up the Word of God and for the last 19 weeks we've been studying this incredible book, the book of Revelation. And uh, tonight we'll be getting into Revelation 17 and if you've missed any of these Bible studies, you really do need to go on back and check out everything else that we've done with the book of Revelation, get you up to speed. Uh, what we've recently started to do is include chapter breakdowns in our, uh, in our show notes. This way you can find the Bible study right away. This way you don't have to go through the entire show uh, just to get caught up. So uh, every Thursday night, just want to remind you, uh, you can find us on our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. We have a nice little player on there that you can listen in live there. And it also has all of the archived episodes as well. Or you could find us on Spreaker.com for the live broadcast as well. Also want to remind you that uh, 
this coming Sunday, we are going to be resuming our Sermon Sunday broadcast, and that'll be a live show at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also find that on our website, com, and also on Spreaker.com for the live broadcast. And this coming Sunday, we're going to be looking at a passage from Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's going, to be an, it's going to be a good study. It's going to be a good message. And I'm looking forward to getting back into our Sermon Sunday routine. And uh, I've missed it, actually. I feel kind of uh, the last two weeks that we took off from that, it kind of feels like um, something was missing out of my day. And, it's, uh, and it was. It was the Sermon Sunday broadcast. So uh, we're excited to get back into that. So I hope you guys are, too. And I hope I, hear you, I, hope I see you guys tuning in uh, to the live broadcast. And, of course, to download it and play it later on in case you missed anything. Now, folks, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, why don't you pay us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our main worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study meets at 7 p.m. For more information, you can always visit the church's Facebook page. All you have to do is log into Facebook, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. Once you get over there, be sure to like and subscribe to it. You'll also find lots of helpful information and also episodes of this podcast, to which we are very thankful to the folks at First Baptist Church and to our pastor and my friend, John Monk, for, first of all, all their encouragement and uh, for allowing us the opportunity to post the show there. Um, now, interestingly enough, uh, our pastor has been teaching through the book of Revelation. He's a bit ahead of me in where, where I am. And probably one of the best things is, is being able to chat with him after a service and just kind of pick his brain. Because uh, that man has a, an amazing knowledge of the Bible. And uh, I'm telling you, every time I sit and talk to him, every service that we're in, Man, I, my soul gets fed, and it's a blessing to be a part of that family there, and it's a blessing to be sitting under John Monk. Now, folks, if you are insisting, I'm going to choose that word tonight, if you are insisting on rejecting the gospel and you're insisting on uh, trying your best to get through the tribulation, well, then you're going to want to learn as much as you can from the Contra Radio Network. The Contra Radio Network is a single podcast that houses nearly a dozen talented podcast and vidcast hosts and artists from around the country that release content pretty much daily. The Contra Radio Network podcast releases about 15 to 20 shows a week, depending on the current events, and there are no issues that are off limits to any of these hosts. If you want a breakdown of current events, we got it. If you want to know more about preparedness and self-sufficiency, particularly if you're planning on going through the tribulation, well, we've got that too. If you want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic, oddly enough, uh, he's there too. Uh, If you want to hear about politics, you want more Bible studies, you want to talk about sports, camping, firearms, and more, well, folks, the Contra Radio Network has it all covered. Where can you find them? Well, the Contra Radio Network can be found on all of your major podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And you could also find them on 
www.crn.best. That's www.crn.best. All right. If you haven't checked out the Three Pillars podcast, I would highly recommend that you do so. Uh, My good friend and brother in Christ, Chase, has a fantastic little podcast out there called the Three Pillars podcast. And what they do is they focus on personal growth, utilizing the three pillars of fitness, spiritual, mental, and physical. Uh, Chase drops a new episode every Friday morning, and I'm going to tell you, his ministry has been a real blessing to me. His friendship and his fellowship has been a real blessing to me, and uh, I would really recommend you check out his podcast. Uh, And he drops it again every Friday morning. So don't forget to check him out on all of your major podcasting platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, and many, many others. You can also find his video casts on, uh, I think it's on Spotify also. Uh, but you could also check him out on YouTube. And if you're really looking for a good, uh, uh, non-censored video platform, I'd like to recommend Rumble to you, and you can find his podcast there as well. And I know I haven't mentioned it before, but you know we have a, a, a Rumble channel as well. Uh, you don't get to see my ugly face on it, but uh, we do have our shows up on the Rumble channel. All right, uh, so don't forget to check him out on uh, Friday mornings and then on all of your major podcasting platforms. Now, folks, also another good uh, Bible study podcast that you should be checking out is the Busy Believer podcast, and you can find them uh, with Sister Monica Hansen. Every Wednesday, a new episode gets released. You can also find her on every podcasting platform that's available to you, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, and uh, she has a website, too, but for some reason I don't have it in my notes here. I apologize to that, Monica, if you're listening. And uh, <laughs> I'll get that in my notes next time. I apologize. But definitely check her out, the Busy Believer podcast. Now, while you're on our website, uh, don't forget to check out the uh, programming announcements subscription. Now, what that is, it's a mailing list that we've been putting together. And each and every time we have a show that's going to be either delayed or uh, you know, God forbid, canceled for whatever reason, or if we have a guest or whatever pops up during the course of a week, the best way for, you to, for us to reach you is through email. So uh, you can get yourself on this list. It's free. Don't cost you nothing. And we're not going to spam you. We're not going to sell your information to everybody. And uh, we will send you out these little emails letting you know of any of the programming changes. So just head over to the website, com. Look for the programming announcements box on the website, fill it out, get on the list, and stay in the know. Now, the last announcement we have about our website, uh, if you haven't checked it out, we have a little sword swag section. And if you would like to get one of these really nice Sword of the Spirit podcast uh, coffee mugs, again, I dropped the coaster that it's sitting on. Uh, If you'd like to get one of these really nice Sword of the Spirit podcast coffee mugs, Uh, You can get one for a $25 contribution, and uh, I'm using mine right now. I'm going to take a little sip here. Wow, that was hotter than I was expecting. But um, today's beverage of choice is uh, a little green tea with some fresh lime and plenty of honey to help this sore throat that I think I just made worse by drinking that ridiculously hot tea. All right. All right. 
Let's see. Now, if you'd like to get one of those, uh, those mugs, you can get it for $25. That's a contribution that you'll be making. And if you'd like to get one of these really nice Sword of the Spirit podcast T-shirts that you see up on the website, uh, you can get one of those for a $35 contribution. Just click the info button on the, on the website and uh, let us know what it is you're looking for. We'll send you the link uh, to where you can make your contribution. And once all that stuff gets settled out, we will send these items out to you. All right, folks, that will just about do it for our announcements section. So what we're going to do is before we get into our prayer requests, we're going to take our first break of the evening. Uh, Don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, and share our little podcast here with the friends, the family, and the followers on your social media accounts, helping us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
as I seek your guidance for the day, I find my thoughts unyielding, confusion crowds my way. But then when I bow to you, the challenges you guide me through, your promises are ever new. I claim them for today. Your will cannot lead me where your grace will not keep me. Your hand will protect me. I rest in your care. Your eyes will watch over me. Your love will forgive me. And when I am faltering, I still will find you there. Each new day's design is charted by your hand and graciously revealed as I seek your master plan. My footsteps faithful when from you I go. Return me to the joy that your blessings can bestow. Still will find you there. Your eyes will watch over me, your love will forgive me, and when I am faltering, I still will find you there. Well, amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Um, I had a little scare moment there for a second because I was singing along to one of the songs, and this happened before. I thought I left the mic turned on and guaranteed that if you heard me sing, you would never listen to the show again. (laughs) Guaranteed. Guaranteed that. Um, You know, the Lord says, you know, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Well, I think that when my joyful no- when my joyful noise comes out, I'll get it right one day. Uh, I think the Lord kind of just plugs his ears and says, "Yeah, that, that's good, son. Go away." So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, second part of our opening here, we do our prayer requests, and uh, we have our usual list of categories here. We have our salvation prayer list, our sick list, our general list, and our unspoken. Prayer list. Now, uh, for our salvation prayer list, we are continuing to pray for my mom. My mom, Diane, um, 
she is currently in uh, in the hospital. Uh, she was readmitted to the hospital uh, just the other day. Uh, she had another episode uh, with some uh, of her breathing issues, and uh, they had to rush her out there. And so we're going to pray for my mom again for her salvation because she does need to get saved. Unless, Mom, if you're listening, if you let me know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I will happily take you off this prayer list uh, for your salvation. But uh, since you haven't said anything to me yet, I'm going to continue to pray for you and have all these great folks pray for you as well. Uh, so we're praying for my mom, Diane. We're praying for Cindy. We're praying for David in New York. We're praying for all of the unsaved members of the Baldino family. Uh, Manuel has asked for prayer for his mom. Sharon uh, needs to get saved, so we're going to be praying for Sharon as well and also continuing to pray for Adam's father as well. So our Heavenly Father, we come before the throne of grace this evening, Lord, and we we ask you tonight, Lord, that you would just reach down your hand from heaven, Lord, and you would save the folks in our salvation list. We think particularly of my mom, Lord, who is in need of salvation. Lord, we pray for Cindy, for David. We pray for the Baldino family, the unsaved members. We pray for Manuel's mother, Sharon, and Adam's father. Father, we just pray that you would reach down again from heaven, Lord, that you would save them, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, use whatever means are necessary to get their attention. Lord, I know you would never overrule their will, but Lord, I pray that you would uh, just impress upon them that need so so hard and so deeply, Lord, that they wouldn't look away. Lord, that they would come to you and ask to be saved. And Father, we would thank you and we would bless you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, let's go on down to our sick list here. So we are continuing to pray for, of course, Pastor Martin. Uh, we're praying for uh, all of his health concerns. We are praying for Mario Martinez. We're praying again for my mom, who is in the hospital again. Uh, we're praying for my sister, Laura, for uh, her back pain. We're praying for Bernice, uh, who is dealing with cancer. We're praying for Bernice's mom for cancer. We're praying for Janae, who has a heart condition. We're praying for Sharon Baldino with cancer. Martin Mata with lymphoma, Daniel Villarreal with leukemia, Alex Ortiz uh, with uh, breathing issues, uh, Diego Ortiz, who's recovering from some surgeries. Uh, we're praying for Hezekiah uh, recovering from surgery. We're praying for Juan in San Antonio with aggressive cancer. We're praying for Ruben with a pinched nerve. We're praying for Patricia Alvarado with uh, kidney problems related to cancer. And we're praying for uh, Jerry Torres with a broken leg. Our Heavenly Father, we want to come before the throne of grace again. Lord, we want to come before the great physician. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician. Lord, we just pray that you would touch each and every one on our sick list tonight. Father, that you would minister grace to them, that you would uh, show mercy to them, Lord. And Lord, that you would bring healing. Father, we pray that uh, that none of those on our prayer list tonight would lose sight of the fact that you are the great physician. And, Lord, that you are in control of all of these circumstances that are before them. And that, Lord, uh, you can bring healing, Lord, and that you would bring healing. 
Father, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. We thank you for the mercy and grace that you've already poured out. And Lord, we just ask you uh, tonight just to touch each one, and we will thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, now uh, going on down to our general prayer list, uh, we are praying for my brother-in-law Jude up in New York for his contracting business. We pray that uh, the Lord would uh, would uh, prosper his business and uh, bless the work of his hands. We're also praying for uh, brother in Christ Aldo and his business here in Eagle Pass, Pro HVAC. We pray that the Lord also will bless his work of his hands and prosper his business as well. Uh, we also are praying for, uh, for Brother Alex uh, for his work uh, situation. We pray for Liz with a financial matter that she's trying to get resolved, Angela, for uh, starting classes for her job. Uh, we're also praying for Isabella for her walk with the Lord, and we are praying for Jessica for her walk with the Lord. And, of course, we are praying for a great brother in Christ, Federico Salinas, who uh, is a good friend of mine. He's, he's a great brother in Christ, a real prayer warrior, and I am so thankful for his friendship and his fellowship. And uh, we want to pray for him tonight. Uh, as he is uh, uh, leading his family. And then also tonight, I want to pray for another great brother in Christ. Uh, I want to pray for my brother Hector. And uh, I know Brother Hector is out working, uh, and uh, we're going to pray for his safety tonight. And we're going to pray that uh, the Lord would continue to bless him and his family. And if you don't know, Hector is um, Hezekiah's dad. And uh, he is, uh, he's, he's a good man. He's a good father. Uh, and he is a real blessing to me in my walk with the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for all of those on our general prayer list tonight. Lord, we pray for Jude that you would uh, bless the work of his hands, you would bless his business. Lord, we pray that you would steer some business his way. We're also praying for Brother Aldo and his business. Lord, we ask the same for him. Uh, we pray for, uh, for Liz, for this financial matter that she's working to get resolved. We pray, Lord, that you would bring it to a swift conclusion. Lord, we pray for Angela as she's starting her classes for work. And, Lord, uh, we are excited for that for her, and we hope, Lord, that you would use her in a great way. Father, we pray for, uh, for, uh, for Alex, uh, brother in Christ from church. We pray for his work environment. Lord, we pray that you would use him in a great and mighty way as a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. We lift up Brother Salinas. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just continue to bless him and just work in him and use him in the way you have. And, Lord, please, Lord, just hedge him about and protect him. We also lift up Brother Hector to you tonight, Lord, as well. And we just pray for him. We pray for him as he's out on the job tonight. Lord, we pray that, uh, that you would just bless him, protect him, Lord, hedge him about as well as he leads his family. And, uh, Lord, we thank you for, for both of their fellowship. We, we thank you for their friendship. Lord, we thank you so much for... Uh, for just being such a great blessing, especially to me, uh, in my walk with the Lord. And, Lord, we would just commit all these things to you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And then as we go down to our unspoken prayer list, Lord, we have, uh, you know, the unspoken prayers are basically those folks that, uh, that they have a prayer need, but uh, perhaps they don't have the words to really describe the need, or it's something deeply personal uh, that... Uh, only the Lord really knows, needs to know the details of. So tonight, we're praying for Eduardo Rodriguez. We're praying for Larissa. We're praying for Hector, Manuel, and we are praying for Anna with an unspoken prayer request. Heavenly Father, for those unspoken prayers of our hearts, Lord, we just ask you to touch each one, Lord, that you would just meet those particular needs. 
And Lord, as with everyone on our prayer lists, Lord, we pray that uh, you would answer all of those prayers according to your will for us, for our lives, and that you would receive all of the honor and the glory for it. Father, tonight we also pray for our Bible study. Lord, we pray that you would give me the words to speak. And Lord, that you would give me the right spirit as I'm teaching the lesson tonight. Father, I pray for any of those that are under the sound of my voice that might not be saved, that we don't know of. Lord, we pray that you would just work in them. Lord, that perhaps uh, this lesson tonight would open their eyes to the particular uh, religious affiliations that they might have. And Lord, uh, that they would come to the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we just want to thank you so much for uh, the preaching and the teaching of your word. We want to thank you for your holy and blessed book. And Lord, we pray that, uh, that uh, souls will be ministered to tonight, and we will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, folks, now if you have any prayer requests at all, uh, you can always email them to me at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Or if you are uh, actively logged into Spreaker and you uh, have an account, you can jump in onto our chat group and you can leave your message there for us and we'll be sure to get it and add it to our list. Also, uh, you could uh, head over to our website and use the web form to send over those prayer requests to us and uh, we would be happy to receive them. All right. Well, now that we have the prayers taken care of and uh, everything else is under the belt, it's about that time we get to our Bible study. So we're going to take our second break of the evening here, and that'll give you a chance to go get your King James Bible, grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a bottle of water. And when we come back, we'll be getting into today's Bible study in Revelation chapter 17. Folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be back right after this. I could tell of the story where thousands were fed when he lifted the sick when he raised up the dead I could sing of the others like the blind made to see oh but I'd rather tell you what's happened to me I'm saved to the uttermost I know that I am washed in the blood of the precious lamb through the father through the son through the holy ghost I'm saved to the uttermost you must be forgiven to make heaven your home the good life you're living won't do it alone so trust in the Savior He'll save you today and with blessed assurance you too can say I'm saved to the uttermost I know that I am washed in the blood of the 
precious Lamb. Through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost, I'm saved to the uttermost. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved. I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am washed in the blood of the precious Lamb. Through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved to the uttermost. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. Amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, And uh, folks, I hope you're ready for this particular uh, study tonight. This is episode number 103 of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. And tonight we're going to be getting into Revelation 17. Now, when we move into Revelation 17, we're moving into a description of Babylon. And uh, for the next two chapters, God is going to tell us all about Mystery Babylon. And what's really fascinating about it um, is the fact that at first glance, like I said earlier, you know, uh, a lot of people would say, well, you know, that's Babylon. That's, a, you know, that's a kingdom from antiquity. It doesn't have any relevance and blah, 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 blah. But it does. It absolutely does. What we discover is that Babylon has been around in kind of like a remission uh, for a really long time. It never went away. It never went away. Now, we covered this to some extent when we were talking about uh, Revelation chapter 2, and we were talking about Pergamos. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you remember that. If not, you can go back and check out the episode on uh, Revelation 2. 
but uh, if you don't remember, uh, the Bible said, uh, I know thou dwellest where Satan's seat is. Uh, Jesus said, uh, to, that's what Jesus said to that particular church in Pergamos. I know thou dwellest where Satan's seat is. All right, now what's going on? Well, way back in the book of Genesis, you know, you're going to get a little bit of a history lesson here tonight, uh, but way back in the book of Genesis, we see Babylon uh, pop up in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, I'm sure you remember the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel, uh, depending on where you're from. Uh, and, uh, well, I guess just to bring you up to speed, we can do that, uh, in case you forgot some of this stuff, all right? Uh, ancient Babylon was founded by Nimrod and his wife, Samarimus. Uh, they embraced a totally cultic religion, and that religion has manifested itself in this modern age in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, if you want explicit, documented details about that, you can get a great book that was written well over 100 years ago by a man named Alexander Hislop. And, uh, and I emphasize over 100 years ago so that no one can say, well, well, you know, he's just an oddball Ruckmanite or a Larkinite or, or anything else. You know, uh, uh, Hislop preceded all those people. All right. This guy wrote a book called The Two Babylons, which clearly, clearly depicts the progression of Babylon. When Babylon was eliminated politically, she just went underground religiously. And uh, she has survived to this day religiously. The Roman Catholic Church is nothing more or less than the ancient Babylon Etruscan mystery religion. That's all it is. And um, I, I can't give you a lot of details about that because it's going to take a very, very long time to go through it all. Uh, but I encourage you. And, and, and that's not the only book written on the subject. There are actually um, a, a large, very large variety of books that have been written over the years on the same subje subject. Um, actually, Hislop's book is so detailed and so complicated that most people really won't take the time to read it, which in a way is unfortunate. Uh, it really is. Um, you know, uh, but you can get bogged down in it, and it's kind of like walking through quicksand sometimes, you know. Uh, there's a much simpler version of it written by a, nam by a man named uh, Ralph Woodrow, I think is his name, and uh, the title's the same, The Two Babylons, and uh, you can get the handle on a, a lot better with Ralph's book. Uh, however, uh, uh, the average Catholic knows nothing about it. But the, average but the average Protestant doesn't know anything about it either. And why is that? Well, because people are not, and you know, people are willful, willfully ignorant today. They just don't read. They don't study. They don't learn. Um, you know, people in America are as ignorant about religious things they are about political things. The Roman Catholic Church teaches uh, that... Um, uh, apostolic succession, that their church goes back to Peter, and that they base that on what Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, where he said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Well, okay, if you want to build your church on Peter, go ahead. 
go right ahead. I don't want to build my church on Peter. Ephesians says that Christ is the cornerstone of our church. Amen? All right, now, obviously, Jesus didn't mean it the way that they twist that thing. He didn't mean it that way at all. He said, thou art Peter. All right, let's look at the verse. Take your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I dropped the coaster again. Sorry. Matthew chapter 16. This is a mess, isn't it? It's a real mess. Matthew chapter 16. And let's look at verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I say unto thee, I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. All right? Now, let's go see what Peter himself said about the whole thing. Amen? Take your Bible, go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 4. 1 Peter 2, verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. All right, so Peter's talking about the cornerstone, isn't he? All right, verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Whoever the he is, is the cornerstone. And do you suppose Peter is saying he's precious? But unto them which be be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. All right, now it's clear who Peter's talking about. It's Jesus Christ, verse 5. That's who he's talking about. He tells you who the chief cornerstone is. It's not him. It's Jesus Christ. Now, the Roman Catholic Church teaches that Peter was the first pope. Well, if he was the first pope, he was a poor pope. First of all, Peter was married, wasn't he? Didn't Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law? Well, sure he did. That's what the Scripture says. To have a mother-in-law, you have to have a wife, like it or not. Mother-in-laws come with wives. Amen? All right, let's go back to Revelation 17 now. Revelation 17. And chapter 17, and verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And so this is Babylon that we're about to be introduced to. And this Babylon is called a great whore, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. This woman, who is called a whore, is a great 
fornicating woman that is willing, obviously, to prostitute herself to accomplish whatever it is she wants to gain. And she does it on a national and on an international basis because it says, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Now, when you stop and think about it, it's kind of fascinating. And I really haven't identified with any satisfaction the woman yet, right? I've just kind of made a blanket statement that it's the Roman Catholic Church. But we're going to try to, and to continue to prove that as we go on. Um, it's kind of fascinating when you study history that the Roman Church seems to have the ability to vacillate politically and always seems to survive. Now, when you study political figures, right, did you know that Adolf Hitler was a Roman Catholic? Goering was a Roman Catholic? And, sev- and, and several others who, whose names really escape me right now. Some of his henchmen, his honchos, you know, his head honchos and so on were Roman Catholic. Mussolini was a Catholic. Has the Catholic Church ever officially excommunicated any of those people? No, never. Isn't that an interesting thing? Adolf Hitler was a baptized Roman Catholic, and they never excommunicated him. It's something to think about, isn't it? How come it is that everyone knows, and, 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 and this is common knowledge, this is common knowledge, that organized crime, the mafia, that every one of those guys is a Roman Catholic. Every one of them. You know, I'm talking about, and I mean the people pushing the drugs, prostitution, pornography, the numbers game, and all the rest of it in this country are Roman Catholic. Now, isn't it interesting that all of these countries that we have trouble with down in South America that keep shipping drugs up here, Colombia and the rest of them, you know, whatever they are, Nicaragua, El Salvador, every one of those countries is about 98% Roman Catholic. Daniel Ortega, the president of Nicaragua, Roman Catholic. Gustavo Petro, the president of Colombia, Roman Catholic. You know, I, I wonder if that dawns on most people. I wonder if it registers, you know, bingo. You know, something's, something's got to, you know. I mean, you keep looking at this thing and looking at this thing and looking at this thing somewhere. Somewhere there has to be a red flag that goes up and says there's something haywire going on here. How is it that... Um, The Roman Catholic Church always seems to position itself politically so that it it finds a way to take advantage of whatever political upheaval is going on at that particular time. Whatever military coup or whatever other thing might be going on in any particular country, they always find themselves in a position where they can gain a little tighter grip and a little more control. You just have to watch the thing historically. Why? Because they commit fornication with the kings of the earth. That's why. I mean, you know, there, there has never been a president of Mexico. There has never been a president of Ar- Argentina or Peru or Chile or Uruguay or Paraguay that could have been president of that country 10 minutes if the Pope had decided to pull that guy's plug. I mean, how's that guy going to be a president of a country that's 98% Roman Catholic if the Pope says he doesn't want him to be president? I mean, come on. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that. Isn't that right? I mean, to me, it's pretty clear. The Scripture is fulfilled in that church right there. And so the thing finds great fulfillment in the age in which we live. 
All right, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman. All right, this woman is called a great whore in verse 1. Uh, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So now we're introduced to this beast with seven heads and ten horns. And I think we'll address that momentarily. Um, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. So that's the thought that I want to stay with just a little bit. The woman, not the beast that she's on. And we'll come back to the beast. But we're going we're gonna to just kind of stay on the woman just a little bit. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. Folks, did you ever watch a mass or a high mass on TV? You know, like uh, the Christmas Eve mass or uh, the New Year's Eve mass or, or one of those things. Did you ever watch one? It's really worth watching, you know, to get yourself a little education. The first thing that you observe are the colors. You observe that it's purple and scarlet. That's what the bishops wear and all of the heavyweights. That's what they wear. The next thing you notice is that there's lots of gold and precious stones. And the golden cup always shows up. And all of that is an indication of the abomination of filthiness of her fornication. In other words, she's trafficked with the kings of the earth to gain riches. And I don't know how in the world they've gotten away with it. I don't know. The wealth of the Roman Catholic Church exceeds far beyond just what they have in, those, in just those assets. Do you know, for example, in America... They own massive amounts of real estate, vast portions of Hollywood, and, and, and a lot of that stuff. You know, the Roman Catholic Church dominates vast portions of the music industry. You know, it, it just goes on and on and on. You know, people always talk about the Mormons and all that they own. Small potatoes, man. That's small potatoes compared to Rome. All right, verse 5. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. You know, you can never gain a real appreciation for the connection between Rome and Babylon until you take some time somewhere along life's way to study one or maybe even just some of those books that I recommended to you that shows you how all those hundreds of years ago, the Babylonian mystery religion just went underground when Babylon became politically extinct. And, then, uh, and, and it continued to survive, and then it resurfaced in the form of the Roman Catholic Church somewhere around 325 A.D. And you begin to see that thing, because so many other things, and in fact, almost all, almost every one of the sacraments, the rituals, and the vestiges that the Roman Catholic Church puts so much emphasis on today were actually part of the Babylonian religion hundreds of years before Christ was ever born. You know, for example, the baptizing of infants was hundreds of years before Christ was ever born. The belief in a celibate priesthood and clergy, hundreds of years before Christ was ever born. Um, the belief in a purgatory, the belief in a rosary, the belief in holy water, the belief in a virgin mother, 
Uh, Jeremiah is preaching against a virgin mother, queen of heaven concept in Jeremiah 52. He's preaching against it way back in Jeremiah's time. So you begin to pick up on all that stuff and you say, hey, wait a minute. And what it shows you is this. God has always had his plan. And the devil's always been trying to duplicate by cheap imitation. And the devil didn't start that recently. He started that a whole long time ago. Now, folks, let me just pause here for a second, okay? And I want you to understand something. I'm not saying these things, and I don't say these things to pick on Roman Catholics, okay? My personal background is Roman Catholic. Most of my family, by blood, are Roman Catholic. You know, most of them still are. It's a hard thing, man. It's a hard thing because I know, I know just as sure as the world where my Roman Catholic relatives went. They went straight to hell just because they were clinging to everything except faith and trust in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know something? It's a hard thing to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow, man. But I know it's the truth. It's a hard deal. All right, so here she is, and she's called Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And um, verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, that word admiration in your Bible isn't what you would normally believe it to be, as it was, you know, as in like he was impressed, you know, positively. But he was shockingly impressed. That kind of admiration. So this woman is drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied history to the extent of how many millions, literally, of people have suffered at the hands of the Roman Catholic Church to the point of paying with their life. But it's been millions and millions. In fact, some historians estimate that, that in the last close to 2,000 years, it's been as many as 100 million people that the Roman Catholic Church has put to death. And they've been primarily Christians and Jews. They hate Jews as much as they do Christians. Have you ever studied the Spanish Inquisition? That's an amazing thing. You know, thousands and thousands of people. I, I don't know if you know anything about Torquemada, but uh, Torquemada was the head, as the head inquis- inquisitioner. I'll get it. And of course... And of course, Torquemada, he was a Roman Catholic bishop. It was his goal and desire under papal design to eliminate all Christians and Jews from Spain. And, um, you know, they went at it viciously, viciously. During that same time frame, there was a similar persecution going on in France, particularly in eastern France, in, in the Pyrenees Mountains. That's because the Pyrenees and the Alps became a refuge for Christians, for the ancient Paulican and Waldensian, the Huguenot-type Christians, and, and they were hiding 
in the mountains and the little villages and so on. And on, on one occasion, and I found this actually in an old history book written by a Frenchman uh, and, and translated into the English. And his name was René Pochet, I believe. Um, the book's out of print now. You really can't get it anywhere. But, uh, but where I saw it, he talks about the Inquisition and how it affected France. And he diligently, diligently did a lot of research over this. There was one particular city in France, in the Pyrenees, and, and I can't remember the name of the town, the, the specific town, but there was a church, and a, a papal mercenary army was sent to eradicate the Christians of that village. And when they were done, they stacked all the corpses in the church. And when somebody finally showed up to bury them, there were 7,000 corpses stacked up in this one church building, all at the hand of the Pope. Now, this has been repeated time and time and time again. Uh, history is just resplendent with it. Um, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, of course, is, is a detailed book of martyrs. And, and some of the detailed descriptions of the torture and martyrdom of the saints at the hand of primarily the Roman Catholic Church over the last, like, 2,000 years. Well, not 2,000 years, because the Fox Books of Martyrs was written about 300 years ago. Uh, and, man, you read that stuff, and it's some, it's some pretty scary stuff. You know, actual eyewitness accounts at the time of, 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 of some of the things that were taking place. Now, it's interesting. You can find just about, and it really is, it's, it's, just, it's just interesting to me. You, you can find just about any book you want to find on a public school library shelf. You could find any book on homosexuality, on witchcraft, and the occult. Anything you want to find. But you won't find Fox's Book of Martyrs. They won't tolerate it. If you haven't read it, you should get yourself a copy. You can still get it. It's still in print. Now, you might not get the full unabridged edition, but you'll get the picture nonetheless. You'll get enough to scare you to death. All right, so this is the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. You know, you can hardly teach this without somebody accusing you of being a bigot and prejudiced. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her which hath the seven heads and ten horns. All right, now, again, we'll come back and we'll address this beast in a little while. I, I, you know, we'll talk more about this beast. I really don't want to leave the idea of the woman here yet. All right, uh, in verse 8, The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Now, we've already covered that. We talked about the Antichrist in chapter 13, remember? So we've pretty much run this verse out already, you know, what it means and the son of perdition and who that was or who that is. And, uh, you know, and we found out that it's Judas Iscariot, incarnate, as it were. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Who he was and is not and yet is. That's old Judas. Um, verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. 
the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So, what are the seven heads? Well, the Bible says there are seven mountains. The Bible's clear, isn't it? See, this book isn't hard to understand, folks. All right, so everybody knows that Rome, Rome is built on seven hills, right? Everybody knows that, right? There, did you know that there's a town in America that's built on seven hills? And I bet nobody knows what it is. <laughs> and they actually have a sign, you know, right outside of town that says, Welcome to the city on seven hills. You know where it is? The city in America that has a sign at the city limits that says, Welcome to the city of seven hills, is Lynchburg, Virginia. That's the home of Liberty University, you know, Jerry Falwell's place, you know. I'm not trying to make anything out of it. I'm just telling you, you know, what it is. <laughs> All right, so here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Well, it's long been acknowledged for two, maybe 3,000 years that Rome sat on seven hills. Everybody knows that. And there are seven kings... Five are fallen, this verse 10. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was, and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. So what you get essentially is this. Chapter 17 is an expose of Babylon religiously. Chapter 18 is a resume of her political and economic activities. All right, let me say that again. Revelation 17 is a picture of religious activities. Chapter 18 is a picture of her political and economic activities. So God dedicates two chapters in the book of Revelation to this woman that he calls a great whore. Now, there are four women that you're going to find in the book of Revelation. All right? You have Jezebel who pictures apostasy creeping into the church, Israel, the harlot, and the bride. And the bride. Those are the four women of Revelation. Jezebel, Israel, harlot, and the bride. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and of the seventh and goeth into perdition. All right, that's kind of strange wording, isn't it? Let's look at the thing. And is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. All right, so now what the Lord is trying to show us here, I believe, is simply this. He's showing us that Judas Iscariot incarnate, the Antichrist, is entwined with the devil. It's the devil incarnate. And so they're the same, but different. All right, They're the same, but different, just as Jesus Christ is the same as God, but they're different. It's the same thing, you see? The eighth is of the seven. Now, I want you to notice something. It doesn't say the seventh. It says the seven. So, in other words, he has a relationship to every one of them. Every one of them are satanic kings. So then, who's calling the shot? Who's calling the shots? The devil. The devil's calling the shots. You see? So, that's the relationship. 
All right, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We're going to take our last break of the night so I can get repositioned here on my notes. And uh, when we come back, we are going to continue by picking it up in Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 12 with the ten horns, which are the ten kings. Folks, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. Help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be back right after this. Don't you go away. of the Lord, satisfying hunger in my heart, oh, to feed on manna from above, strength divine the Spirit shall impart, oh, to know the presence of the Lord, oh, to taste, to hear, to feel, to see.
Lord will never waste our pain. He brings beauty out of brokenness and hope to our heartache. Healing out of every hurt that invades our shattered world. We never walk through trials in vain. He's the Redeemer of the It's in the middle of the storm we learn to trust that He is always watching over us. Redeemer of the rain, the Lord will never waste our pain. He brings beauty out of brokenness and hope to our heartache. Healing out of every hurt that invades our shattered world. We never walk through trials in vain. He's a redeemer of the rain. Dark days we walk through. hope to our heartache healing out of every hurt that invades our shattered world we never walk through trials in vain we've known his mercy long enough to say he's the redeemer of the Well, praise the Lord, and welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and we are going through Revelation chapter number 17, and we're going to pick it up here in verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. All right, so the question here is, is this a literal hour or not? Well, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. Because when we get into the book of Revelation, you have a lot of time, times, and half times, right? You know, we read about in Daniel that, um, uh, that the time, times, and half of time, that's three and a half years, right? And that's what it's called, time, times, and half of time. Time is equated to a year. And uh, so if time is equated to a year, what's an hour? I don't know. I know one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day with the Lord. 
so if you mathematically figure that thing out, if um, 24 hours equals 1,000 years, what would one hour equal you know, on that basis? I don't know. I mean, if 24 hours equals 1,000 years, if you divide 1,000 by 24, what do you get? You get 41.6. Well, that wouldn't work, right? So uh, what's the answer? I don't know. I don't know. You get lots of different time factors in Revelation. Some of them are really hard to figure out. For example, there's a space of a half an hour where there's silence in heaven. Do you remember that one? And we've run that one out already. And I've already told you all the jokes about that, so I won't repeat them. Uh, I do know they receive power a very short time. How long is that? I don't know. Uh, I don't know what this hour represents. I don't know if that's a literal hour um, or not. It's very possible it could be a literal hour. Um, You know, we see in this world of uh, fast-moving events, you know, things rise and fall pretty quick. But um, I don't know what the hour represents, whether it's literal um, or a figurative term that, um, you know, applies to something else. I don't know. But what we do know is these ten kingdoms are a very short-lived operation. Receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now, it turns out that there's ten of them. Now, somehow this, of course, is the revived Roman Empire. And the emphasis on that is all the way through Daniel. It's all the way through Revelation. And we see um, a continual emphasis in the Word of God on the revived Roman Empire. So, before it's all said and done, and all of this jockeying and jostling and moving around is done over there, uh, what's that all going to boil down to is these ten kingdoms, and every one has their own king. The old Roman Empire is going to be revived and divided into ten kingdoms. Now, how it's all going to happen, we don't know yet. But it certainly isn't a mystery that it can and will. And with what we've already seen over the last few years. All right, now verse 13. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. So all these kings are controlled, as it were, supernaturally. They all have one mind. Now, how in the world are you going to get ten kings together that have one mind? You can't get anybody uh, more independent than a king. Amen? So, you see that there's a supernatural control involved here. There's a, a satanic strategy here. They have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. And so there has to be a thread, you know, one common denominator that holds all of them together for their loyalty. And before we're done, we'll see that their loyalty is in one realm of, uh, is, in, is in the realm of the religious That's what ties all of it together. The thing that they share in common certainly isn't culture, because you could find a lot of diverse cultures in Europe. Amen? It isn't language. It isn't any other kind of interest. The one thing that you can find in common in all those old Roman countries that will be revived is religion. To this day, They're all vastly, predominantly Roman Catholic, every one of them. So that's the thing that that holds them all together. Now, okay, verse 14. 
These shall make war with the Lamb. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. And the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. All right, that's a brief reference to the Battle of Armageddon and the second advent of Jesus Christ coming with his army. And we'll get more information about that when we hit chapter 19. We got a little bit of information about that over in chapter 16. All right, verse 15. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And so this woman has control over a vast multitude of people. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and to give their kingdom unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled." And so as time goes on, and this ten-federated kingdom comes to pass, that's all held together and orchestrated by this whore, this woman that sits on the multitude of nations, and what happens is, all of a sudden, the nations she's put together and ruled over mutiny on her and turn around and destroy her. And that's something that we anticipate in the future. Now notice verse 17. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast. All right, now what happens is this. Rome, religiously, is ruling over these nations and receiving the worship of God, even though it's heretical worship, even though it's not really a right worship, but in name, they're receiving the worship of God. And the beast desires that and covets it so much, he wants all of this worship to go exclusively to him, not covertly, but overtly. And the beast, of course, is Satan incarnate. And the greatest desire in the devil's heart is to be worshipped. And what he ultimately does is lead these ten nations against religious Rome to destroy her. That happens. And ultimately, she gets whacked out of commission. And um, so even as God allows the devil to call the shots, and um, you know he is the god of this world, you know, once in a while, God says, you know what? I believe I'm just going to overrule a little bit over here. And then he pushes, you know, he pushes that button there and, and that button there and that button over there. And he makes his will come to pass. And we see way back early in the book of Revelation, the theme that has threaded through in what's going on, the prayers of the saints. Prayers really do change things. The prayers of the saints. And so God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. And he's done that. And he continues to do that. Now, uh, because of Israel's disobedience, in 606 B.C., they went into Babylonian captivity, right? They were marched off into captivity for 70 years. At the, and at the end of that time, only a remnant, only some 50,000 under the, under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel were allowed to return to the land. All right, now upon returning to the land, the return with a commit, they return with a commission and a bankroll to rebuild the temple. Now, that process took several years, you know, and one king died and another one came to the throne. Uh, Persian king, I mean, from, from which they were released from that captivity. 
and then he died, and another one came to the throne. And what we see taking place is three heathen kings financed the rebuilding of the temple. Why? God put it in their heart. The Lord setteth up, and the Lord taketh down. The Lord can put up who he wants to put up and take down who he wants to take down. You know, I mean, Joe Biden wouldn't be in the White House 10 minutes if the Lord didn't allow him to be there. Not 10 seconds if God didn't allow him to be there. Now, you can see how that God has moved and orchestrated through history to, to accomplish his will. And, you know, someone once said, and it's appropriate, it's, it's really appropriate to understand this because I think it's true. World War I took place to get the land ready for the Jew. You see, at the conclusion of World War I, we have in 1917 what's called the Balfour Declaration. And what the Balfour Declaration essentially did was, uh, uh, and it was named after an English prime minister at the time, uh, and what that did was uh, grant the Jew the land of Palestine as a homeland. All right, now that whole thing came about as gratitude of the nations expressed to a Jewish scientist by the name of Weissman, who invented, to help the Allies win the war, smokeless gunpowder, which was, at the time, a great addition to the armory and to the effort. So we have the Balfour Declaration to get the land ready for the Jew, World War I. World War II took place to get the Jew ready for the land, because the land's now ready. Do you know how many Jews wanted to go to the land? Not many. Do you know why? Because they're all sitting there in Poland and Germany and Russia and Eastern Europe, you know, fat, happy, making a lot of money, doing pretty good, uh, running the banking system in those countries, financing systems uh, uh, of those countries. And the Lord says, all right. We're going to stir some things up around here a little bit. And by the time we're done, you're going to go back to the land. And they did. Amen. And they did. And they'll continue to do so. They go trucking in there every chance they get. So the Lord orchestrates in history. You know, and it's interesting. You know, the verse, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. God can move a heart. And it won't take, it won't. I mean, you know, God, God won't make any man get saved. But he sure can make him do a lot of other things. Boy, he can make folks do anything he wants to do. Because he is sovereign. Because he's sovereign. He won't make a man get saved because that's just not his program. He allows you to choose with a free will. But there's other things where there's no choice involved in it. All right? And, um, you know, well, why? Because God puts in people's hearts. God puts it in people's hearts. Uh, like, do you know why I preach the gospel? Because God put it in my heart. I can't get away from it. Otherwise, I would live in the most remote place I could find. You know, no telephones, no televisions. You know, have a 50-mile have drive to the nearest mailbox. You know, so God put it in their hearts. God can put a lot of things in hearts. And when God puts it in the heart, then there it is. You know, God put the call to preach in Jeremiah's heart. And he tried to quit, but he couldn't. 
And he said that his word was a burning fire in my bones and I could not forbear. The Lord puts certain things in people's hearts. And when the Lord puts, puts it there, you just can't seem to get out of it. All right, verse 18. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Now, folks, there's only one great city that reigns over the kings of the earth. There's only one, and that's Rome. There's only one that has enough political clout to to reign over the kings of the earth. Did you ever find it peculiar, odd, strange that the Vatican, which is a religious entity, has ambassadors to virtually every nation in the world? Political ambassadors? You know, I'm a fan of Ronald Reagan, okay? Uh, And Ronald Reagan came to office when I was old enough to vote, and I was privileged to be able to vote for him. Um, But one of the greatest disservices that Ronald Reagan ever did to us was he appointed for the first time in history an American ambassador to the Vatican. Well, now wait. If she's a religious entity... You know, and we hear all these crusaders running around talking about, you know, separation of church and state. Then why do we need an ambassador to a religious organization? But you don't hear any of that crowd hollering about that, right? They don't scream about us having an ambassador to the Vatican, but we do. We do. Um, Strange thing, isn't it? There's only one city in the world that reigns over the kings of the earth, and that's Rome. That thing's clear. They even admit that. You know, it's no secret. It's not like they even try to deny it. They don't. And if you read some of uh, Malachi Martin's books, you'll get some real insight into that. He wasn't an outsider looking in, criticizing. He was a Vatican insider. He had been friends with like four or five popes. He was an insider, and he wrote about the papal system and concepts and goals. You know, he said that they actually had rooms set up in the Vatican that they call strategy rooms. And, uh, you know, they have a room for every major country in the world, and they have, you know, all the maps and, and strategies laid out, and, and they look at all the world leaders as their opponents, and they, and, and they have strategies for dealing with each one of them. I mean, that's far out. That's far out. And that's what's going on over in the Vatican. All right, folks, Uh, so that should just about do it for Revelation chapter 17. Uh, Again, I I didn't say anything tonight in in an attempt to attack Roman Catholics individually. I love Roman Catholic folks. Most of my family are still Roman Catholic. I have a burden for Roman Catholic folks. It's the system that I have the problem with. It's that whole religious system. So I hope that you were able to take what I, took, what I presented to you tonight uh, exactly as I atten- intended it to be, an eye-opener, some education, some background on the, in that particular church, and if you're a part of that church, why you need to come out of her. All right, folks, if you have any questions or comments about what we talked about tonight, feel free to email me at info at com. And uh, you, you can head over to our website. You can leave a, a message through our, uh, through our web form. Um, but that will just about do it for us for tonight. 
So I want to say once again, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the Sword of the Spirit podcast and our Thursday night Bible study. Head over to our website, check out our contact section, send us any messages you might have. Also, take a look at our Support This Podcast section, and if you can, help us out with a monthly recurring contribution. That would be great. If not, a one-time is great, too. Folks, until we see each other Sunday, win the loss, no matter the cost. God bless you. Take care. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day.